Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chris Carter, and this is your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's Thursday, January 30th, and we're just getting closer to Super Bowl Sunday as each day rolls by. We've got a few tidbits of news that we're going to dive into, as well as some analysis. Namely, Roger Goodell made a statement on Antonio Brown. We'll, we'll get into that briefly. Won't spend too much time on that, considering how much time we've devoted to Antonio Brown on the show. But we will, we'll dive into some interesting comments from Terrell Suggs on Ben Roethlisberger and the history of that rivalry. I'll also delve into why Minka Fitzpatrick needs to be a player that Keith Butler schemes around and how he can do so with some film analysis in the second segment. And for a final segment, we're going to start a new thing here called Throwback Thursday. Let's get into it. Happy Thursday, everybody, and way to survive hump day. We made it, y'all. Now it's all downhill from here. I can't wait for the Super Bowl because it's going to be fun. I'm going to be eating wings. I'm going to be drinking beer. It's going to be great. And then I have to be on TV, so then I'll probably need to drink a lot of water. But it's fine. Anyways, let's get into today's top stories. Um... Briefly on Antonio Brown, I know I spend a lot of time on this because it just keeps happening, but we're just going to address Roger Goodell made some public comments on Antonio Brown in Miami during Super Bowl week. Namely, he said, The first thing always is to think about the well-being of Antonio, to understand what Antonio is going through. We don't talk about the wellness of our players publicly, but I would tell you that you can be sure that the NFL and the NFLPA, the Players Association, have tremendous amounts of resources available to all players. They're going to be made available to Antonio. We want to help him get on the right track, get him in a position in the zone where he can be successful in life. We are confident that that can happen. We want to work hard to do that. From our standpoint, that is the first step. The first step is making sure that we're doing everything to help Antonio. Now, these are obvious statements because everything Antonio Brown, and this is why, again, this is why I I keep bringing it up on the show, and it's, you know, know, it may may seem redundant, you know, with every little update on Antonio Brown, but this is a major story. We don't know what Antonio Brown, you know, everyone's talking about Aaron Hernandez's, uh, uh, his, the, the documentary that was on Netflix and everything that's happening, and that was happening in real time. We all saw that you know, the, 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 the case play out for, for Aaron Hernandez, but we didn't know what was going on or what might be CTE or what might be, you know, you know, issues from him growing up. We're all seeing Antonio Brown obviously go through something. I won't say CTE because I'm not clarified to be, you know, I don't, I don't have any, any doctoral degree or medical, you know, expertise to say that. But it's obvious he's going through something. To go from a, a guy who was the Prince of Pittsburgh for quite some time, you could walk anywhere and everyone was like, it would scream his name in, in pure joy to go to one of the city's biggest villains. Um, that I think speaks volumes and the things that he's done over the past, over the past year, just the past year, we don't even have to even go back further than that, are disturbing and alarming at best. And the NFL knows it's a story and knows that they need to probably try to make this, turn this from a potential extreme tragedy, tragedy, uh, into maybe a comeback story that people can get behind. All right, enough with that. I wanted just to, to lead off with the top story that I have. Some interesting comments from Terrell Suggs. You guys remember Terrell Suggs, our favorite edge rusher to hate from the Baltimore Ravens. 
Well, Terrell Suggs nowadays is with the Kansas City Chiefs. He gets another chance to win a Super Bowl. Um, he, he got traded there from the Cardinals this season. He's 37 years old. And uh, Dale Lally, uh, our, you know, our buddy from DK Pittsburgh Sports, he was on, he, he, he's in Miami right now, and he interviewed Terrell Suggs. And it was an interesting uh, set of comments here. When asked about, you know, about the opinions of some people who think that Ben Roethlisberger won't be able to come back from his injury, Terrell Suggs differed in opinion. He said, Ben's a competitor like that, a warrior. He's not going to want to end his career on the sideline. I think he's definitely coming back. We all know the history between the two teams, talking about the Steelers and the Ravens. That guy's made me level up my game a lot. I think he definitely comes back next year. Now, that's very interesting for Terrell Suggs because you guys remember some of the things that Terrell Suggs used to say about Ben Roethlisberger? I mean, there was at one point he said, God may own his soul, but I own his ass. I mean, that's serious trash talking. And and that was, was, you know, that was serious stuff. I mean, and these, these teams went back and forth for years. You know, Terrell Suggs, you know, came up, you know, in in the Ravens, he was a playmaker, but you know, you really didn't see him develop into that supreme playmaker until Ray Lewis was kind of you know in the in the last years of his of his time with Baltimore because he was still the face of the defense, and they still had Ed Reed. But Terrell Suggs, I mean, he I think he sacked Ben. He still had he he sacked Ben Roethlisberger more than any other player in the NFL, um, and. Uh, you know, for for all the things that have been said back and forth between the two over the years, because Ben Ben's you know taking some jab shots at Terrell Suggs too, not as uh, boldly as Terrell Suggs has done to him, but uh, you know he he's made light of it's like well like you know like if he like because when Terrell Suggs made that comment about you know being owned or whatever, Ben Roethlisberger was like well you know they haven't beaten me in a while so and at the time they hadn't uh, so you know, they've had those jabs over the years, but for Terrell Suggs to show that kind of uh, respect for Ben Roethlisberger, I think speaks to the legacy of Ben Roethlisberger. People may not like him. People may think that, uh, may think that he has an owner's mentality or whatever is the narrative these days, but it's obvious that his opponents respect him because they know what he brings to the table. And Terrell Suggs is like, man, he's had, he's had to go up against that guy for a decade and he's still chugging, and all the things that he's seen Ben Roethlisberger overcome, I think it's it's uh, very interesting and a, uh, and, and a cool story to see a veteran like Terrell Suggs, who has every reason to hate the Steelers. He's talked so much trash to them, against them. But to have that kind of humility to, to, you know, to be asked that question while he's getting ready to, to, to play in a Super Bowl, to think, you know what, no, I'm going to pay respect to that guy because I've seen him do these great things. I think that says something interesting about Suggs. It also says something interesting about Ben with how he's respected around the league. Um, by and large, I, I've always considered Suggs to be you know, one of the biggest nemesis of the Steelers uh, when you look at the guys that they had to play over the past decade. You know, he, you know, even when the Steelers were winning, you know, you remember, I think it was back in 2015 or 2016 when the Steelers were playing the Ravens and and Renegade was playing and the Steelers were, were mounting a comeback. I think think it was the Christmas day game when Antonio Brown put the ball over the goal line and the Steelers were, were mounting their comeback and the fans were screaming to Renegade and you saw 
that picture of of, of, T- of Terrell Suggs on the sideline, like pretending to strum an air guitar. And, and I just remember looking at that and thinking, man, that's whistling through the graveyard. That man is trying to act like he's not freaked out by this environment, but he's freaked out by this environment. And I mean, he was absolutely part of what made the rivalry great between the Steelers and the Ravens. You know, he brought it. He was physical. And yes, there were sometimes he was dirty too. But you know what? Uh, you, know, you respect the fact that this man has been in the league as long as he has. He's played for 17 years. 17 years. That is insane. Um, and he's, he's brought it. He's, and he's still productive now. He has six and a half sacks on, on this season. He's, uh, he, he's, a, bad, he's a bad dude. And uh, for him to, to, to show the, the obvious respect for Ben Roethlisberger, I thought that was an interesting story from Dale Lally. Um, and uh, in my opinion, I also think Ben isn't letting this go away. Just from what I've, I've known of Ben, so I guess this is how I'll finish this segment. What I also know of Ben is that everyone tries to play off. And, you know, and this isn't just Ben. Everyone tries to play off, oh, I don't, I don't look at media. I don't do this. I, I don't do that. You know, I, 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 it's elevator music. I don't pay attention to what guys say in the media. They absolutely do. They, you know, these, these guys, they, they look at what's said of them. Now they may pay attention to some guys more than others, but Ben Roethlisberger definitely hears the, uh, the, the national stories on him about, you know, how he may be done and what people were saying about him and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and, you know, why, and, 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 you know, Deion Sanders, how he was kind of laughing about Ben and saying that he's finished. I think Ben Roethlisberger hears that and is like, no way am I letting that end my career. Now, that's not to say this his path to recovery is going to be easy. He's 38. You know, he, he's he's a, he's about to try and, you know, rehabilitate his arm after a, after an elbow injury after a season where he threw for the most yards he's ever thrown for in 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 a, in a single season. So, Ben's got a lot to consider there. But I think the good thing is that I he in my book, I'm with Suggs. I've seen Ben Roethlisberger be too tough a competitor to go out to go out like that and to not take every step of this rehab seriously, so he can make sure that his last couple years in the league are as good as they can be. Okay, I'm gonna take we're gonna take a quick break here. With a word from our sponsors. I'll be back. And I'm gonna delve into some Carter's classroom right here for you guys on the show. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, MyBookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball season, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on all the action with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win than mybookie.ag. If you join right now, mybookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you can get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on L O C K E D O N to activate the offer. Once again, the promo code is locked on L O C K E D O N, and you'll be able to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign up offer that gives you half of your deposit all the way up to $1,000. 
Visit mybookie.ag today. My bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, let's get back to it. So, for those who have been following me for a while or know my, my written work, I, I do a lot of film work. That's kind of how I got into the business. I like breaking down film. I like talking about scheme and play and technique and plays and the, the certain skills of different players and why things mesh and why things don't mesh, yada, yada, yada. I, that's, that's what I write for DKPittsburghSports.com in my Carter's Classroom column. And, and something I've done in my stints when I've, I've done some, uh, I've made some guest host appearances for a Steeler Nation radio, people have asked me to, on their shows to do some film breakdowns. So I figured I'm going to do a little bit of that for you. I'm going to do that by going over uh, what my piece, my last piece for DKPittsburghSports.com that published on Monday, uh, which, uh, which was on Minka Fitzpatrick. And how the Steelers can build around him and essentially make a Fitzpatrick foundation here. Uh, so, uh, so that's what, that's what this segment's going to be all about. So, first things first, the importance of talking about this and why I want to get into this is because great units, great defenses or offenses, and great and or offenses, they're built around great players. And when I say it, everyone's like, well, duh, Chris, of course they're built around great players. I get that. But the point is, is that you scheme around them. It's not just about the fact that they exist. You find ways to use their talents, to maximize their talents, but also to make it so that their skills are making it easier for the jobs around around the team so that other guys who aren't as talented but are talented are able to have a better, a higher chance of success in their plays. And this is what the article was about. And this is what I'm going to talk about here. And why Minka Fitzpatrick makes a very good player to build around for that and for how I think Keith Butler might end up doing it. You know, it's different this year when they traded for Minka Fitzpatrick. There was no way for him to know that Minka Fitzpatrick was going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler when, you know, when they were drawing things up all offseason and planning before, you know, you know, in training camp and seeing how things were going. They kind of had to figure that out as they went. But now you're going to get a, a whole offseason knowing that he's going to be there and knowing that you have T.J. Watt and knowing that you got Cam Hayward and knowing that Stephon Tewitt's coming back and knowing that you got Devin Bush and Terrell Edmonds and Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson. And if they can lock down Bud Dupree, oh boy, that defense is going to be fun to watch. Um, but the point is, you know what you got here. So I think there's going to be a little bit more in depth about Mika Fitzpatrick. Now, the first things first is... Well, how, what what are some of the big things that you can build around? And what are what are some of the bigger contributions that Minka Fitzpatrick brings? And to me, Minka Fitzpatrick isn't just the guy that you plug in the middle and keeps everyone together. He's the guy that does everything in the middle. And and I say that because there was an interesting uptick in Steelers free safety from 2017 to 2018. Namely, that was because Mike Mitchell went from being the free safety to Sean Davis. Now, with Mitchell there in 2017, the Steelers gave up lots and lots of big plays. They gave up some of, the, I think, the most, you know, they were among the teams that gave the most big plays in 2017. But in 2018, that started to turn around. Why? Because Sean Davis was back there, and he was a very good job at, he did a very good job at communicating, making sure everyone was on the same page, and making sure that he understood the play so he could at least be in the right position to say hey i'm gonna at least i'm gonna at least make sure no one gets behind me um you know but the the problem with sean davis is that he was never going to be that that playmaker right 
he was just going to be a guy that was trying to be the glue that said, hey, okay, I'm going to make sure this side's coordinated with this side. So, you know, schematically, we at least have a chance to execute here. And if the quarterback beats us, the quarterback beats us, but we're going to make it hard for him to do so. And that it did improve in 2018. Uh, and uh, Vince Williams brought this up you know, going into 2019, he said in 2018, they cut down on the, on the big plays, which they did. They were one of the best, the, the one they gave, they gave up, you know, among the fewest big plays in 2018, a huge step up. In 2019, they wanted to become the playmakers. And that's where Minka Fitzpatrick comes in. So let's start with a, with a, with a play breakdown here. For back from 2018, when the Steelers are playing the Falcons, it's week five, and uh, Matt Ryan sees that Muhammad Sanu's in the slot, and he's lined up, and nobody motion. Well, actually, I'm sorry. They, they motioned Sanu over inside of a slot receiver, where the Steelers already had two defensive backs over to that side of the field, and they were in a zone, so it was tough. And Sanu basically gets a free release off the ball, and the closest person to him to cover is John Bostic. Now, people are going to say, "Well, oh, that's that's typical uh, linebackers covering receivers." There, well, no, it's it's called zone, and you couldn't switch out of it. And again, this was a uh, this was an interesting part part of part of the season for the Steelers. But what happens is, in a the Steelers are in a cover three zone, and in a cover three zone, where do you go? You hit the seams. You go in between. Cover three means for those who don't know, you got three guys deep. And now there's things that happen underneath underneath them. But the base of the cover three is the fact that you have one person covering the left sideline, another person covering the right sideline, and the person playing as your deep center fielder. Those those three guys are to cover the, the what's called deep thirds. Each of them responsible for a third of the field and for no one to get behind them. Now underneath them is a mismatch of what could be underneath zone coverage. And in cover three, that sp- those spaces between the sideline guys and the middle guy are called the seams, and that's where you attack. And that was a, a weak spot for the de- for the Steelers defense, and just like with that play, and again, this is all in my my Carter's classroom ar- uh, article. If you want to actually see the plays, go there or dkpittsburghsports.com. It's there. You can read all my work there. But um, Sanu hits the seam. Davis reacts to it. He sees it come. He sees it, but he goes to it. He can't bring Sanu down. And it turns out to be a touchdown. Um, and, a, and a stark contrast is what Minka Fitzpatrick does. Now, Davis was able to make sure that the defense at least communicated and, you know, and, and for the most part that they were at least going to be able to make the right play call, but he wasn't a guy to jump those type of, those type of routes and, and see it develop and capitalize on it as best as, as best as he could. Perfect example is what happened with Minka Fitzpatrick, and, you know, a perfect example of the other way and how Minka Fitzpatrick does it much better is the pick six he had against the Colts. Now, that was a play where the Steelers looked like they were in a zone. It was a single high safety, and when you have a single high safety, it's usually a cover three or cover one. Um, and uh, they ran uh, Jack Doyle, a tight end, right up the seam. Uh, Hayden saw it, so he pinched in like he came off of his 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 uh, sideline deep zone or deep third to try and help. Um, but he was but he, and he was jumping with the ball. But Minka Fitzpatrick, being the deep safety, he read it the whole way. He knew that Jacoby Brissett was going to want to attack the seams. So he went right to the seam, intercepted it, and returned it for a touchdown. It's those type of instincts, not just to 
understand what the play call is and make sure everyone's on the same page, but to know where the, the other team's weakness is and to how you can maximize that, the, the, their, their expectations of where your weak spots are going to be and take advantage of, of them being a little too greedy or not making, you know, being honest with the football. Um, I think those are the things that make a Fitzpatrick brings to the table schematically. You can also think back to uh to the to the Joe Hayden interception against the you know to to close out the Browns game at Heinz Field because Baker Mayfield they ran Jarvis Landry up the seam and it was another zone play but this time Mika Fitzpatrick was underneath in playing zone and he jumped the seam and when he jumped the seam Mayfield floated the pass made for an easy Joe Hayden interception so uh that's one aspect of it the other aspect of it is of course tackling which Mika Fitzpatrick seems to have in spades, and I think you kind of need to when you come from Alabama, right? Uh, but point being, Mika Fitzpatrick, when Sean Davis was the free safety, again he would he would know he would know how to keep the defense on the same page, but sometimes his reactions just weren't strong enough. Uh, I, I highlighted a touchdown run by Alvin Kamara right up the middle. It was a draw. Davis playing the the deep free safety position. He doesn't recognize it until it's far too late. Uh, and and Kamara's already scampered up for at least five yards. But even when he gets a shot at Kamara, he doesn't bring him down. He makes a he, he makes a poor attempt to tackle there. And Kamara is one of the best running backs in football. He just kind of misses him if he gets the bounce off. But the point is, Sean Davis missed that tackle, and that's a tackle where you need your guy, your last line of defense, to be that guy. And Minka Fitzpatrick is that guy. Look and, and flash forward to this year. Look at you remember that option run when Kyler Murray tried it against the Steelers when they were in Arizona and, and uh, it's 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 in the red zone. Kyler Murray fakes the option, uh, you know, one way and then runs around the edge. Now he gets outside of Mark Barron and if Minka Fitzpatrick doesn't read this right, it's a touchdown. He walks in. He's that athletic. He's that good. But Minka Fitzpatrick is right there. He shuts it down and he doesn't oversell. He doesn't like try to like launch his body through Kyler Murray. He he gets in his way, keeps a solid defensive stance, wraps him up, brings him down. Easy money. Same thing can be seen earlier in the season. We we flash back to the uh, to the set, that same Colts game where he had the pick six. Well, there was a specific reverse call to Paris Campbell that looked well drawn up. The the Colts had sucked in TJ Watt. He had he had made he had just over pursued just a tad enough, and Campbell, who has four point three one speed in the forty yard dash, he 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 has he has the sideline. It looks like he's going to be able to run quite a ways. But what happens? Mika Fitzpatrick diagnoses everything on the reverse, and he's about he he's about fifteen yards off the ball. He flies up to the line of scrimmage and gets in Campbell's way and makes sure he doesn't get any big play. Fitzpatrick, that's the thing. Fitzpatrick has the football knowledge. He has the football instincts to how to build with with, with, with the knowledge. That's what makes, to me, make Fitzpatrick a guy that they can build around because now you're saying, okay, I know I have a guy that can cover the seams. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you let let you think that you can go after that. If you don't want to go after him, you're going to have to go after Joe Hayden or Stephen Nelson, or you're going to have to go after this double team that we've set up on 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 our on your on your favorite receiver. So that's part of the aspect of building around Fitzpatrick. The other aspect is the fact that teams didn't want to throw the ball his way once they knew who he was. And a perfect example, and I, I bring this up in the article. Uh, he was targeted only 26 times as a stealer. That's starting for 14 games. He only missed the first two. Um, he, he was targeted 26 times. 
that is the that is the lowest number of targets of any Steeler on the, on the defense. The next closest was Terrell Edmonds, and he had 51. That's almost double. Why was that? Because teams respected him and were like, we're not going there. We're, we're not letting that guy beat us up. And I think that that's something that absolutely Keith Butler must plan for in 2020. All right, that, that's that segment. Got one more thing we're going to do. But before we get to that, let's hear a few words from our sponsors. All right, we're back. So I'm going to try something new here by talk about something old. That's right. I'm going to try introducing to you guys. Let's do a throwback Thursday segment. Let me know in uh, on the Facebook group if you guys like the Throwback Thursday segment I'm going to do. We, we, if, if you do, we can make this a regular feature of the show. And what I'm going to do with Throwback Thursday is I'm going to talk about a game, a player, a moment, uh, just something in Steelers history that might have a tie-in to, some, to something that we're talking about now or just something that I think is interesting that should be revisited in Steelers history. This is Locked On Steelers. So I figured, you know what, I, I've always been big on history, I've always been big on talking about that. Some people liked about the way that I talked about Donnie Shell when he got inducted. So I figured, we're going to give this a shot. Today's Throwback Thursday is going back to a game that to me embodies several elements of the things that, some of the stories that we've talked about this weekend. We're going way back, not way back, to, to 10 years ago, to 2010, when the Steelers played the Ravens in Baltimore uh, it was a huge AFC North matchup. It was a rematch. The the Ravens had beaten the Steelers when they had Charlie Batch earlier in the season. And it really had the feeling of like whoever wins this game was going to win the AFC North. And it's week 13, so there's still several games after this. But it was a huge determining point in the season. Ben Roethlisberger was coming into this game. And uh, the reason we're highlighting this game, because I talked about the um, about you know the, the uh, Emmanuel Sanders comments about Ben Roethlisberger. This was his rookie season. He's in, He makes some plays in this game. I talked about Terrell Suggs. He's in this game. And you got Ben Roethlisberger. So I, it's, it's just real interesting to look back at this game. I really thought this was one of the defining moments. And also, we got another guy, Troy Polamalu, Hall of Fame guy, maybe you know, maybe Hall of Fame guy. We'll be talking about him. Remember, if he doesn't make it, y'all, we riding at dawn. So let's get into this game. And just, I'm going to bring up the bigger moments of this game and what really bring back those the, the things that made this a classic game in a classic rivalry between the two teams and when i was watching this game i was i remember i would remember i was in college i'm watching it and first drive of the game you see ben roethlisberger get sacked by terrell suggs and Alodi nada you know two really big dudes and it start and it, it, it starts a horrible tone for the game because you, you you see it live and you're like oh well it's a normal sack who cares but then what gets crazy is when you see the replay, you see Haloni Nada just punch right through uh, Ben Roethlisberger's face mask, and his nose is broken. You can see it. It just, it just looks it looks nasty. He's bleeding at his nose. And, and this is young Ben, so he's clean-shaven. It's just like, oh, my goodness, what, what just happened? And, and there's no flag, and this is in the era when Tom Brady was getting flags for being breathed upon, and everyone's – I remember Steelers fans were going nuts at the time, thinking, like, this is ridiculous. What, what – you know, why can't our quarterback get this? Uh, you know, and, and 
it, it was it, it was an interesting tone setter for the first drive of the game, and everything starts to go the Ravens' way. The, the Steelers pin the Ravens on their own goal line. It's third and 15, and Joe Flacco, what does he do? He launches a 61-yard bomb to Anquan Bolden, and then later would hit Bolden for a touchdown on the same on the same drive. And it's just it's funny. I was having this discussion with a fan on Twitter this week about Joe Flacco and how you know they were talking about like you know what quarterbacks had the Steelers beaten in the playoffs over the past, you know, decade or so. And I brought up, well, they did beat Joe Flacco at the start of the decade. And they're like, well, what about Joe Flacco? I'm like, well, that was the same Joe Flacco that, yeah, he's not a great legendary quarterback, but there was a time when he was a good quarterback and he was a Super Bowl MVP. And back then he was tough. He wasn't going to be Tom Brady. He wasn't going to be a top tier quarterback, but he was going to be a guy that gave you hard times. And the start of this game, he did, because then after they got this touchdown, they go up 7-0, the Steelers get a field goal. Joe Flacco extends a drive with his legs. Imagine that, Joe Flacco using his legs, uh, you know, getting getting them into the red zone. But the Steelers' defense standing up big, getting the pressure on him. Now, what happens after this, I think, is starts adds to the uh, adds to the, the 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 lore of of the rivalry because the Steelers get get the ball. It's third quarter. You know, it's been defensive back and forth, punts and big hits and this and that. In the third quarter, the Steelers get the ball. It's fourth and one. Ben Roethlisberger draws, uh, draws an offsides penalty on a quick hike that gets the Steelers a first down. And in the very next play, he hits Heath Miller, and Miller takes a head shot and is out. And he's down for several minutes, and he gets up, and he's Heath Miller. He's tough. He gets up, and he's fine. But now Ben Roethlisberger's lost his security blanket. And he's now he's now he's like, okay, we gotta figure something else out. And it's third and eleven. And and Ben Roethlisberger, in a in a play that would often get overlooked with all the great things that Ben Roethlisberger had done in his time with the Steelers, makes a very Ben Roethlisberger type of play. On a corner blitz, it's third and eleven. The Steelers are on the on on the on the Ravens forty or the Ravens thirty. Ben Roethlisberger is blitzed. It's a corner blitz. He doesn't see it. Rolls to his right and while on the run, hits Emmanuel Sanders, a rookie, go inside the five yard line uh, with a with a great throw. And what embodied Ben Roethlisberger so much in this play was that this is vintage Ben because he didn't see the corner blitz coming. This wasn't like Tom Brady where Tom would have seen the corner blitz and had something planned up around it. No, he just dodges him. That's how that's how good that, that's how athletic. Ben, young Ben was was he was like oh not only do I see you not only big so you have to you know make make the effort to tackle me uh, and, and and put a lot more weight down to, to to bring me down but I have the ability to make you miss and then launch a ball on the run those are great things that that young Ben Roethlisberger used to be able to do he still do, do, does those you know on occasion but um, that that to me was one of those big moments but then the drive stalls with what used to be those regular red zone problems remember the Steelers used to be one of the worst red zone offenses to leave remember Bruce Arians with calling a screen well it was third down and Mike Wallace caught a screen pass ended up getting tackled inside the five the Steelers settled for a field goal they they're still down six to ten it's the fourth quarter um and they end up having to get back into a series of punts now what's really interesting about this game and and how teams reacted how both teams would react after it you know you got this game where, uh, where where it's really close, everything's coming down to the wire, and no, it, it's like a it's like a who blinks first moment, and that moment definitely came 
when Troy Polamalu blitzed off the edge. And I'm sure if you're a Steelers fan, you're like a diehard fan, you remember where you were when, when this happened. If you were watching this game, you remember seeing Troy Polamalu when he hit Joe Flacco, the ball came out. Everything went loose. I remember this because I had not, I remember I was in college and I hadn't eaten yet this day because I had like three different events I had to do. And I was just like, I just wanted to sit down and be able to watch the Steelers game. I hadn't eaten and I remember standing up and starting to scream. And I was just like, just out of pure excitement and adrenaline. And the next thing I remember, I blacked out and I'm waked up, waking up on the ground. And my friends are like, are you okay? Like you just fell over. And I, and they, they 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 swear to me. My first words were, "Did did did the Steelers score?" <laughs> that's what. That's how crazy these games were, man. That's that's how intense intense they got. Uh, but Troy Polamalu, just uh, that, this and this is why and this is why I'm bringing up this this game too. It's not just that Troy Polamalu had. He doesn't need stats. He found ways in big moments to make these plays. And this is why I wanted to do a Throwback Thursday to talk about this moment and 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 what what, what comes next with Ben Roethlisberger because Polamalu flying off, he forces the fumble. Woodley recovers it, takes it down deep into Ravens territory. That that's a game changing, a season changing moment by Troy Polamalu. Those are the things he does. That's why he got to be a Hall of Fame uh, safety that 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 get that gets into the Hall. So this the 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 Steelers get the ball. It comes down to on the very first play, and and this is this is a play I think that when I think back back to the rivalry of Suggs and Roethlisberger, it's funny. It's an incomplete pass, but it's one that I think sort of defined their relationship as players, right? Because Terrell Suggs gets in on 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 Roethlisberger. He he gets his hands on him, and Ben just starts pulling away from him, fighting and scrapping, and he just. Gets away enough, gets outside the tackle box so he can throw the ball away, and he just heaves it to the sideline. And it's a it's it's a it's a win for the Ravens because they were able to, to waste the down for the Steelers. But it's all but it's a it's neutralized by Ben Roethlisberger's escapability to get away from Suggs. And it's plays like that that I think Terrell Suggs, when he thinks back, he's like, man, I had to take that guy down. It took everything to get Ben Roethlisberger, and that's why I think Terrell Suggs speaks with the reverence and the respect for Ben that he does. And continuing it, just a couple plays later, it's third down. What happens? Ben Roethlisberger hits Isaac Redman on a screen who busts a tackle and gets into the end zone. The Steelers get a touchdown, um, and they would go on to win the game. They would get a fourth down stop later on with James Ferrier batting down a pass. But this is a game where Ben Roethlisberger has his nose broken by the defense. The, de- the Ravens' defense was locking it down. They 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 they, they broke his nose. Sell- Suggs had his had his arms around Ben, trying to bring him down while he had this broke nose, and still couldn't stop him. And and that to me, emb- you know, you know, and him leading that comeback in that in that last second there, and really it was the defense putting him in great field position and him capitalizing on it. But still, Ben Roethlisberger, moments like that define his career, and. It, it defined the respect to me what Terrell Suggs has for Ben Roethlisberger, where I think what other people had for Ben Roethlisberger, because Haloti Nada, just a couple years after this, he went on the top 100 list, and Ben Roethlisberger was ranked like 41st of all team players in the, in, in the league, and Haloti Nada made a point, and this is, again, a fierce rival of the Steelers. Nada's got to bang with these guys every year, and he comes out and he says, I play Ben Roethlisberger twice every year. I know how great he is. There's no way that he is 41st 
or, or I think it was even I think it was even even higher on the list than forty first. Like it was it was even worse. And he was like, "There's no way there's that many players that are better than him in this league right now." And, and that's the kind of respect. These are your rivals. These are the guys that hate you. You know, you know, Suggs. You know, often talked about. You know, we we we, we you know we want to beat up the Steelers. And again, Suggs. You know, hit the the you know the the own comments that he made about about Ben Roethlisberger behind all the trash talk behind all the the hype. There was that there was that deep, profounded respect, and I think that speaks loudly to what both of these teams and both of those teams ten years ago from now. Um, you know, and, and what, where these teams have, have, have come and where those play where those players have come from. Now, again, Terrell Suggs still playing. Ben Roethlisberger still in the league. They're, they're the two guys that have basically survived. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders as well. Uh, Antonio Brown was on that team too. Um, uh, so, you know, there's a few guys here and there, uh, Marquise Pouncey, this was his rookie season. So like there's, there's guys left over from those teams, but you know, the legends that were on the field, Ed Reed was still playing. Ray Lewis was still playing. James Ferrier was still playing. You know, Troy Polamalu and Ray Lewis having the respect for Troy Polamalu. He speaks about Troy Polamalu. These are those great plays back in the day. I say back in the day, even though it's just 10 years ago. But still, I think it's moments like these that help define great Steelers games, great Steelers moments, and uh, why certain players are revered as legends. I think Terrell Suggs is a legend. I think Ben Roethlisberger is a legend. And I think Troy Polamalu is a legend, and he better be recognized as a legend this this Saturday when they vote for the Hall of Fame players. So that was our first Throwback Thursday. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did or you didn't, let me know. Go, get on the Facebook group and Locked On Steelers. Search Locked On Steelers. Join the group. You'll be able to um, you'll be able you'll be able to check that out. Um, and you can, and just let, and you can interact with our, our users, but Hey, leave a comment to be like, Hey man, I really liked it. Or Hey man, I don't like that. I want to talk about new stuff. I, if I want to talk about old stuff, I'll look it up on YouTube myself. That's fine. But I always think it's interesting to have a historical context to big moments and talking about the, the footballness that defines certain guys that we've all kind of said like, man, that guy, I, I love watching that guy. Cause we all talk, we always talk about the legacy of guys, but sometimes it's, I think it's a little bit better to go through those specific moments that define them and, and, and relive why those moments were great. So that's why I wanted to do a Throwback Thursday. Hope you enjoyed it. Let me know if you didn't. Uh, if you like the show, if you like if you like the show, please hit the subscribe button. Leave me a five-star review and uh, a positive comment. Those things go a long way to helping me get the, get the word out there about the show. Uh, if you want to talk to talk to me on, on Twitter, uh, you can follow me at Carter Critiques. Where if you follow me, I'll follow you back. Hit me with the at, hit me with the DM. Always trying to respond to you guys. Sorry for those who I don't respond to right away. It's a busy world out here. All right, that was a show. We'll be. I'll be back tomorrow. It's gonna be Friday, and it's gonna be my official Super Bowl preview. I've been putting it off all week. I wanted to give you guys as much just focused Steelers content. Well, that's Steelers content. We'll start with a little bit, but we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. Get you ready. Maybe some prop bets we'll be talking about. Tune in tomorrow. I'll be back.